0: How can you approach your work with a growth mindset and a spirit of service? Make the time to look for new and better ways of doing it. We'll break down this process and apply it to the rest of life. I'm Sharif Yunus with Dr. Kevin Majors. This is The Golden Hour. Welcome to another episode of The Golden Hour. I'm Sharif Yunus, joined by Dr. Kevin Majors. Kevin, welcome.
1: Shreve, it's, it's uh, great to be back here today.
0: Well, we just uh, launched a tweak to the projects page. Uh, small update,
1: but a lot of thought went into it.
0: Yeah, it was agonizing. <laughs> yes. So the so it was it was basically updating the guidance that goes into how you set up goals, which was actually now changed to goal, uh, and how you guidance for setting the strategy for the project. So just quick background, whenever you set up a project, we want to help you craft the project and shape it so that you can do it in a better way than you've done it before. So in in that process, we have you first identify the goal that you want to attain in completing the project, then the strategy for how you're going to achieve that goal, and then you use that to lay out steps for how you're gonna complete the, the project. Uh, so then uh, we made some changes to the goals, to the goal and the strategy. Kevin, do you wanna talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I think what we found is that many times um, in the feedback we would get, it seems like people were using projects as just a place where they put things. you know, that they like tasks that last longer than say one golden hour. Uh, but they weren't necessarily shaping what they're doing. So they were, you know, it seems like and the advice that we were giving, it maybe wasn't so clear that the goal is actually to reshape the way you approach this kind of task. I think it's just so easy that whenever you sit down to do something, you just kind of, you exploit your previous way of doing it, and you do it again that same way, which, which makes sense. But it just ends up that people do things the same way again and again and again. And then projects could be just a way of keeping track of that. It's like a way of tracking the status quo. But we actually wanted it to be able to like be a laboratory for changing the status quo. So that you are, by laying out what's the goal you're seeking, which ideally is some better way of doing it. And then what's the strategy, which ideally, again, is some new way of doing it then you come up with the steps that embody those. So to me, that's, that's the exciting part about projects is just like a golden hour shapes this next hour, so you do it in a new way and experience growth in it. The project should shape a task. So, and how it, so that you're doing that kind of task in a new and better way. And then it can be an extremely powerful tool but because it, it's changing the substance of your way of working. So, that, and that's to me is where real growth occurs.
0: Yeah. So maybe it would be helpful to have uh, an example.
1: I think that uh, any example would be you, you take a task that you might that has, let's say, just enough steps to be um, uh, you know a, a lot to handle. So, if you, like for students, the clearest one is writing a paper. And so, and in some ways. You know, we had asked them in the past, like, okay, what would done look like? Okay, What would it mean to be totally done with it and to do it well? But then it's just like putting in the specifications of the paper. Like, you know, this many pages and this many hours of writing, you know, with no grammatical errors. That's the goal. Yeah, I think that could, that could have been the goal in the past. You know, and then... But is that really getting them to think about writing a paper in a new and better way? To think intelligently, like to bring their intelligence to the process of how they go about doing it. So now what we do is we encourage people to think of either how they can grow by doing this. So it could be you know, with um, attaining a greater mastery you know, in, in some aspect. That's a growth that's in them. Uh, or, or depending on the kind of task you're doing, it could be sustaining a spirit of service while you're doing it, or maintaining cheerfulness while you're doing it. So you can have goals that are about what you are using this task to practice growing in. And so any kind of ideal would be, the, or, or you know, um, serving others or deepening a bond. That would be the goal.
0: What What would you think about um, on that? Uh, in that vein of like growing in knowledge uh is that an appropriate thing i think that's a common thing when you're if you're reading or you're writing a paper that you kind of just want to cross the finish line i just want to get you know finish this chapter i just want to get to have written six pages having written six pages but to actually grow in understanding of the material would that fit with what you're talking about here
1: i think i think it would and so I think that you can grow in knowledge or skills or you know, ideals or uh, in serving others. So there, there, there's a lot of ways you can think of growth. But the, my, I guess the key thing here is that it's something that stays within you. Because sometimes when people are doing things, they think that the real thing is actually the outcome. You know, like that they um, finished that paper, they got that grade, they got that promotion, Outcomes can kind of seem more real, but in fact, they're transitory. And so you attain them, but the good is there, but then it starts fading. You know that every kind of outcome you can attain, they tend to kind of go stale in themselves. They seem real, but they're they're not. Um, and so yeah, you get that promotion, but then life doesn't really change because you haven't actually changed. And so. Your own growth, now that actually is real and enduring change. And so to think of the tasks you're doing as ways that you could grow opens up the real kind of core of optimal work, which is ultimately how to bring your highest ideals into each hour of work. That's the the main mission uh, that we we have. But it means that you're trying to get people to reshape how they do something so that they grow, or at least that they attain, this is the second half, that the finished product is in some way higher quality. So more polished, more accurate, precise, or more, I don't know, pleasing or humorous or whatever it might be that you're going for.
0: So, so there it's very helpful to have this kind of sense of uh, what this type of work can be like and like where you can have role models. So you can, if you're writing a paper you can have examples of very good essayists or researchers, uh, you know, famous people, and and you can. Th- that's where it's helpful to like look at their work and see well, what are they doing that I can try to imitate? This person is really good at telling stories or giving really clear examples, or this person checks all the relevant research. So that's what I'm going to aim for with this project. Is that kind of one one way of achieving it?
1: I think that's one of the very best ways of doing it. Yes. You find out who is right now doing this in the best way and then try to learn from them. So once you have like the goal of really stretching yourself and growing, uh, then you can look at the experts and see what are the strategies that they use. So and you start to look at their work in a different way. It's not just like the content, but you're looking at the process. Like what is like? How are they thinking about this question? How do they organize their thoughts? How do they use examples? How do they use uh, data? You know. But you start like finding higher ways of learning, and you see that the really the best people in the field have mastered all of these subsets of skills, and then you just choose how you're going to prioritize what you're going to be working on right now, and you keep just building up this kind of repertoire of skills. And I think especially for, for young people new on a job, uh, say, you know, like mid-20s, young professionals, uh, the, the, the key thing is, are they really increasing their skills in a continual way, continually finding ways of growing in new skills? But that's what setting goals should do. So you set a goal for a task so that you're going to now use this task to serve your own growth, which is ultimately so that you can better serve others.
0: So first, the first thing is identifying that goal, which is something that you can do better, a way that you can do this task better than you've ever done it before or that you can grow through it. And then closely following that is then the strategy, where now you're actually trying to figure out how exactly am I going to achieve this new goal? So for example, if we're writing a paper and our goal is to be maybe thorough in evaluating the relevant research or something like that. Uh, then I want to see examples of people who have done that and try to figure out how they did that. How was this person, how was this researcher so thorough? Um, Is that, so, so, so that's, then that requires being creative, right? I mean, that's a difficult thing to figure, to either come up with a strategy on my own or to ask someone for what their strategy is or to try and observe someone to figure out what their strategy is.
1: Yeah, and I think just like with goals, setting with setting goals, there's a sweet spot there, which is what is the right level of stretch? Okay, so you so you, you want to be like if you set the goal that was way beyond what you could do, you could get discouraged. But there is there is a right level of stretch. And uh, it doesn't have to be that big. Just 10% better, as some people say, you know, is is enough you know, to attain, you know, it might even be that's how you attain maximal growth. But when it comes to strategies, there's a sweet spot in how creative, new, and flexible your strategies are. So you want to, you want to be thinking, how do I tweak it upwards in terms of creativity? And then you're going to need ideas, which you get from seeing how the best people do it. You know, uh, Cal Newport, in his wonderful book on how to be a straight-A student in college, you know, what he does is he takes... The skills like writing papers, taking notes, and so on, and shows then what are the strategies that the best students at the best you know, universities have used in doing you know that kind of task. And I, I think it's just a goldmine, because you, you see all these different approaches that they would take, and then you can be experimenting with those approaches.
0: Although, yeah, it's interesting to note with that book that how the goal shapes the strategy, because I think... At the beginning, he kind of says explicitly that these strategies have the goal in mind of being a straight-A student while having lots of free time. So so that's that may be, I mean, that's a fine goal for college maybe, but, but
1: maybe it's not the best goal. I guess maybe it's like a lowest common denominator <laughs> as far as goals go for writing for a college audience. Uh, but the strategies themselves do show a lot of, like, Expertise. And they're great, I think they're kind of great
0: starting points for anyone. Um, but if maybe your goal in college is to like become, you know, a great, uh, you know, start my career as a great scientist or something like that, then maybe
1: you want to build on those strategies in some way. But, but they're great starting points, I think. Yeah, exactly. And I think that um, what seeing people who are really good at those things does, is it does give you a sense of what is possible. And you can have the sense that, okay, that it can be done somehow. But it's like we, sometimes we can't really underestimate how hard it can be for people to change. There is a built-in drive we have to maintain the status quo. And that seems just to be part of the architecture of our brains. That in some ways, the, brains, the brain, like especially your default mode attention, your background attention, is all about predicting errors and minimizing errors. It's, so it's trying to like always be making the prediction of how things are going to turn out. But as a result, it tends to fix your strategies for how to do things so that they always turn out that same way. It's almost like it gets more satisfaction in having predicted right how it will turn out you know, than anything else. So that you tend to always do things the same way without even realizing it. So that, that kind of gives a hint
0: at how projects relates to... The, the kind of broader context of things that we also like to talk about of just generally engaging challenge in life so that doing projects well becomes a kind of training ground also for doing, for developing this new approach to
1: life. Yeah, that, that like when you sit down to, you know, to do an hour of work and you shape it in advance, you know, that's the idea of the golden hour, which, which involves all these same steps. But thinking of how you go about doing tasks, you want to bring in the same creativity and newness and flexibility uh, so that you actually can change and try to have a new strategy. Because people might think that they want to change, but as long as they're using the same old strategy, they're going to get the same old results. And so it's like, are they really, you know, they're still expecting really the same results. Um, which kind of makes you wonder, are they still desiring the same results? So this is actually an interesting neuroscience question, uh, that is there a difference between desiring something and expecting something? At least for a large part of our, our, our brain, it's the same thing. So like when you think about even something like hunger, is there a difference between desiring food and expecting that it's time to eat? So you, you tend to get hungry right before you'd have a typical meal. Your body is expecting to eat. And that expectation you experience is hunger. And if you decide to be fasting, then you typically, you can go long periods without experiencing hunger at all. Now, the desire for food should still be there, but the expectation is not there. So there is a really, in any kind of craving, actually, there's a very close link between expecting something and desiring something. Um, and you can you can see this, you know, like when people are trying to change their own behaviors in any way. Just okay, go to that broader context. I don't know. It's name you could I don't know. Name anything the person would be trying to change. Some behavior, like a their, their, their habit they're trying to break. Say a person has been um, wine, like I don't know, he he decides for a certain period of time at least he's not going to drink alcohol. Yeah, and so he says he you know, but let's say that he still knows he's going to go to the party. And he kind of expects he's going to drink. So on the one hand, he thinks, you know, he'll say he desires not to, but then he puts himself right back in the same situation with the same people, the same, you know, sequence of events unfolds, and then he would would certainly drink again. So as as long as he has that expectation, which might be hard to get at, like when someone really wants to change a behavior, and then you you say, are you committed to change? Yes. Do you expect to change? That's the harder question. And they might actually say, "Eh, no, because they actually haven't done the work of forging a new strategy that would likely give them new results. That's the new, you need the newness in the strategy. Then you can actually be open to be surprised by the change occurring. But if you're not doing a new strategy that could surprise you with how well it works, you have to be open to that surprise. And then you can actually change. But you have to be, and so what we want people to do is you know, to be you know, like thinking through, like in projects, the steps that they're gonna be going through. But they should be experimenting, they should be creative so that they're gonna find a way to stretch themselves and grow and do it in a new way. Then they actually will be open to expecting different results. And in a way, that's a sign that they are deeply desiring the growth. They're trying something new. To 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 obtain it.
0: So in this example you've given with the person who, say in some way desires not to drink, if uh, so, I mean they might blame it on kind of a lack of self control or lack of willpower, lack of discipline or something. But what what you're saying is really it's just they're not well, and putting in they're not putting in the effort to try a new strategy. They're just not thinking about it. So really the best strategy might just be to not go to that party
1: or whatever it is. Yeah. In some ways you could say the real like, thing that sincerity has to get down to is what are the actual steps you're going to take to make the change practical and to make it actually happen. And if they're not really thinking about new steps you know, and new ways of handling particular triggers, you know, and like in coming up with a strategy to handle those triggers, then they're going to get the same results. And they should expect, in a sense, the same results as before. And so it's interesting in my mind that the very same process that you can use to grow in work immediately applies to any issue of self control. You have to set a higher goal, some way of doing this better of handling this trigger better, or doing it better, and with new strategies that you've thought out in advance to implement, you lay down that track, then you can be surprised by how well these strategies work. But the most difficult thing in getting people to change and getting people to grow, and I see this in my psychiatric practice sometimes, is just getting to the point where they're willing to try a new strategy. Uh, Because it can be scary to change, you know, and you know, again, the, some you know, times you side more with you know, the, the devil you know than the devil you don't know. So it's like, well, at least I know. How, you know like, there's something comfortable about the status quo, even if it's actually painful. You know, and so it can be scary to change it, and that's understandable. But, uh, but at the same time, it's great to have a sense of being curious and open and experimenting, so trying continually new and better ways of doing something. That's what causes people to grow, is what causes families to grow, and it causes companies and society to grow. When there's a kind of a spirit of adventure, you know, that you're really learning, how can I um, come up with new and better ways of doing this thing?
0: Then uh, maybe we can just complete kind of the discussion of projects to discuss the steps, too. So how does steps fit into this picture. So we talked about goal and then having a new strategy, having a higher goal, having a new strategy, and then steps, I suppose, make it kind of concrete. They tell you, you know, exactly what you're going to be doing. Uh, are they always necessary, or what, what kind of forms should they take, and how are those helpful to people
1: in making these changes? That's. I mean, it's a great question to discuss. I think my, my first thought is that people always have steps. So in some way, particularly if it's a task that they've done before. And maybe that's the easiest way to think about, you know, projects, which is like, this is for tasks uh, that come up in some regular way that you want to use to, to grow or you want to improve how you do it. Yeah, And so because of that, you are going to exploit previous steps. And you're just going to do it automatically. So what we suggest is you lay that out, deliberately in advance so that you can deliberately shape it. Because you, whatever the task is that you're used to doing, you actually do have specific steps that you follow. And the harder something is to change, the more precise those steps actually are. And they can be extremely fixed. You know, you you see, you see this in OCD, like when people get uh, triggered by something, like let's say that they're uh, afraid of contamination by something. And, say, and you think, okay, when the contamination that you had feared seems to have happened, what exactly do you do? Yeah, and it's like, oh, okay, well, first I wrinkle my nose, then I shake my head back and forth five times, and then I start saying, oh, no, no, oh, no, no, no in my head. And I've had people lay out sequences of 11 steps that <laughs> they just keep going, and they do it exactly the same every time. So OCD is, you know, it's sort of there really are very fixed strategies to particular triggers. You know, and so this is an example, like, the steps are usually there. I would encourage people to try to just write them out so they can think about them. And just that act of writing shifts them from the background, implicit, atten- you know, knowledge, to more explicit, you know, foreground attention. And that allows you then to be, well, that's where creativity takes place. Creativity does not take part place so much in the background. Is actually you in the present moment, fully with your attention, putting your whole intelligence into now shaping this task as if you're doing it for the first time, you know, or thinking of how you could best do it. And for that, you really do want to have a goal in mind. The steps should be shaped by the goal, uh, so that they really do help you to attain it. So if you're you know trying to improve mastery in the way you do something. Well, that could mean a lot of different things, you know. So, I do know, Sharif, you think of your work of programming. Um, does, does, does your work have particular steps that you typically follow? Say if we're going to have a, you know, a new feature on optimal work. So, uh, yeah, I, I
0: kind of have a strategy for how I go about doing it. Um, so basically, I start with the design component and then try to work that out. And then once I have that, then I work on the data part of it. Um, and then the last part is kind of the logic for how those two fit together. And then I try to write tests for that before. And then, and then I write the logic part.
1: But if you're gonna to try to be using programming the next feature in Optimal Work, you know, to grow in some way, then how would you work that into your steps? Let's say you wanna just you know, like grow in mastery of programming. How would you actually think about working that into steps or, or into the strategy? Typically, I think with programming, a lot of the, the opportunities
0: for growth come in, in doing more of the work up front. Uh, so for example, like just thinking through what the potential obstacles might be, laying that out kind of in advance. Um, so, so putting more emphasis on the design part, uh, it's you know just like writing an outline for a paper before you start. Um, so I think I would, I would kind of put more steps towards the beginning, trying to... Uh, in fact, one one thing that I was working on uh, on my last project was that after I did all this stuff, I ended up with a lot of repeated code. So it's like you know being repetitive in a paper; it's not good. Um, so I think to so that's a good then area of, of growth for me is to try to eliminate those. So what I had to do is eliminate them at the end, which ends up being t- kind of t- time consuming and also exposes the code to more errors, uh, more mistakes. So, if I could have done that at the beginning to identify where are these things that are going to repeat, and let me kind of craft that component first and build on top of it
1: yeah, so so when you have the sense of wanting to grow in mastery, is that an end in itself for you, like you just want more mastery? Yeah, I just want to become the best coder I can possibly be uh,
0: <laughs> no so i I suppose the yeah i mean i uh I want to do it so that I can code the website better and so that people can enjoy using it more
1: or get more out of it. Yeah, and so there's a sense that when you're working on it, like every little stretch you you put in to like make sure you're like improving how you go about outlining in advance or doing something, ends up being that's where, that is where the meaning comes in. So you actually get more meaning all through the project because it's like you're doing it, you're stretching yourself in this new way so that you can better serve people, give them a better experience, uh, and or if let's say you're working on how quickly you do things, it's so that we can you know have more, you know, more ways of serving people and more things that come out. But wherever wherever the the stretch is, that's also where the meaning is. And because ultimately, you're not growing just for yourself or having a better project for its own sake, but it's ultimately to serve others better. I got to keep that in mind. <laughs>
0: Good. Well, you know. Kevin. Hey, it's it's uh, we're it's, our time is up now, so uh, we we got to finish now. But uh, do you have any last
1: thoughts you want to end on? Just I think that the the best attitude that we can have uh, when we see something in our life that needs to change is you know, or I say it could even be in a relationship, something in a relationship that needs that you'd like to you know to see improve is just to be curious. What's the fixed strategy that you're using? The harder it is to change, the more precisely fixed it is. So try to just be curious about what those steps are and then see how could you bring, you know, how could you bring a sense of creativity or flexibility to those steps?
0: Awesome, great, well.
1: Very much the essence, yeah.
0: That is the essence of optimal work. Cool, thanks so much, Kevin. Uh, We will be back next week. All right, thank you, Sharif. Well, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to check out optinwork.com for a set of online tools to help you engage challenge in your life. See you next week.